You are listening to the Genesis Podcast, a community of faith, love, and hope. As we look to the scriptures, it is our desire to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. Good morning. It's good to have you with us this morning. We are going to conclude our series on human, what it means to be human. And we've been looking the past weeks at how Jesus has been an exemplary. Thank you. I need this. Thank you, Val. We have been talking about how Jesus has been the example of what it means to be human that it is something that should have uh, actually push us to, to more and not to less. The idea of humanity is something that was God's ultimate creation, that we were created in his image, that we have the ability to represent God more clearly than anything else in all of creation, which is mind-boggling if you think about it. If you think about the beauty of creation and the things that we see, the mountains, the, the deserts, the ocean, and yet all those things fail to represent God as clearly as you or I are able to. And so what does it mean? How do we get back into this area of being human? And today I want to talk about the area of suffering. Because suffering is such a part of humanity. And there are different types of suffering. There is physical suffering, where there is actually the pain that we suffer physically. And it could be from a disease. It could be from an injury. It it could be things that we see in the news, uh, lack of food, starvation. Uh, We see what's happening in Syria and the refugees and the suffering that is taking place to millions of people, and that has taken place throughout human history. There is emotional suffering when you lose someone that you love, when you're hurting because you see someone you care about who is hurting. There is that suffering that gets a hold of us in such a deep and profound way. There is even a spiritual type of suffering where Paul talks about in Romans chapter 8 how all creation groans and we ourselves groan and the Spirit makes intercession for us with words that cannot be uttered with these groanings that cannot be uttered. And these often overlap. I mean, it's not just like, well, there's the physical suffering and then these emotional suffering. Usually they go together. Sometimes we are so emotionally moved that it actually causes physical uh, side effects to our body. We, we have the results in our body because of the emotions and vice versa. We can have such physical suffering that it affects our countenance and how we interact emotionally. And, and the Greeks had a way of looking at suffering. When they looked at suffering, they understood the role of suffering was to bring wisdom. And so in their mythology, Zeus, who was, you know, the supreme ruler of the universe, was still subject to what was regarded as the law of justice that he had to work inside this law of justice and was subject to these things. And they called it fate. They called it justice. They called it destiny. They called it necessity. But we saw that suffering was actually to bring an alignment with this universal law, much like karma does. 
that there was something that was pushing this all that we were subject to and suffering was helping us to align. And so when there would be suffering, it was because there was something out of alignment in the universe with this justice that was supposed to be taking place. The Hebrews also had this interpreting of suffering as a testing of an individual's spirit, much like what God had done with Abraham. The suffering that he went through was to accomplish something in Abraham. And so there would be uh, passages in the Psalms, blessed is the man who suffers always. Why? Because there was something that was supposed to be taking place, a development of character that takes place in that person that they could learn and grow stronger spiritually and strengthen themselves in that area of suffering. And pain and suffering is telling us something. Scripture is constantly talking about those things. Just like the pain in your body is telling you that your body in that area lacks integrity, suffering also is telling us that there is something. It's pushing us towards something. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, starting at verse 11. Peter, one of the disciples of Jesus, walked with Jesus, seen Jesus crucified, seen the suffering that Christ endured, denied the Lord in his own weakness at the time of the crucifixion, fled when they asked if he knew who Jesus was restored by Jesus himself after the resurrection. And Peter writes these words to those who are followers of Jesus, those who are living in a pagan world, in a world that is run by people who who don't care about the things of God. And now here are these people who are following Jesus. How do they live in this world? Much the same as we find ourselves today. He says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So he's telling them to live a life of character so that people who don't believe God can see God through the things that you do, how you conduct yourself in relationship with them. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to command those who do right. Commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. So here are people who are enslaved at the time by the Roman Empire And he's saying, live as free people so that you can actually silence those who are ignorantly talking. 
Live as free people, but do not use that freedom to cover up evil. Instead, live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Slaves, in revenant fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. It's commendable if someone bears that pain because they are doing it what for a purpose. They're doing it with a consciousness of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating or doing something wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. And when he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sin in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. You were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. When Peter says that Jesus suffered for us, leaving for us an example that we should follow in his steps. It makes you pause and think, what do you mean by that? Jesus suffered, leaving me an example. Do I need to suffer as well? Is that what he's telling us? And though he committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth, when they hurled these insults at him, when he did not retaliate, when he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. Suffering was a part of the life of the early Christian, and it is the part of our life as well. We cannot escape from suffering. No matter how much we try, it seems to be prevalent It was prevalent at the time Peter wrote this. It's prevalent in our day. It's important to remember that the scripture was written at a time when there was no morphine. There was nothing that would take away the pain that they went through, even more so than the pains that we go through. That he is not writing this in a vacuum. He is not writing this with an unawareness of the difficulties that people go through. In fact, he is writing it at a time where people were enslaved. And he's telling them, hey, you still need to conduct yourself well. Not just to the ones who are treating you nicely, but the ones who treat you harshly. Because your conduct is what they will see. And when you suffer, I want you to think about what Jesus did for you because now he's trying to give purpose to suffering. And just as Christ entrusted himself to the one who judges justly, he wants us to do the same, to recognize that your suffering 
is not without purpose. That you are not here just enduring it and that's the end. That there is purpose behind what we go through. And the Greeks, they believed that that suffering, the intention was to try and bring us to this understanding of, of the greater law of justice. The Hebrew mind had this idea that there was something going on. We too believe that suffering is not without purpose, that there is intention, but God's intention is to further his work in us and through us. And Jesus suffered, giving us an example. In fact, in Hebrews, it says, verse 8, Hebrews 5, chapter 5, verses 7 through 10, but in verse 8 specifically, he says of Jesus, though he was a son, yet he learned obedience from what he suffered. It says in that passage that Jesus offered up prayers and petitions and cries of tears to God to save him from death. And we, we know that from the Gospels that Jesus prayed as it were, sweats of blood came from him and he says, Father, if there's any way for this cup to pass, let it pass, but not my will, but yours be done. And the writer of Hebrews is telling us that he learned obedience through the things that he suffered, that it worked within him to accomplish something. And in fact, it made him perfect. Why? Because he suffered because his obedience to God, in spite of the suffering, accomplished something for us. My question to, to me and to you is, what are you learning through your suffering? He learned obedience in his suffering. What are we learning in our suffering? Where, where is the suffering that we are going through taking us? Because it's going to happen. Jesus says, in this world, you will have tribulation. You will have struggle. You will have suffering. And then he said, but be of good courage. Take courage because I have overcome the world. In other words, I've, I've made an example for you. I've, I've walked a path that you can follow in. I have suffered, but it was with purpose. And now I can give purpose even to your suffering. And so the areas you're struggling in, is it emotional? Is it physical? Whatever it is, Jesus has given us an example of how to live and he has entrusted himself to God who judges justly and so should we. So when you're being mistreated by someone, they're, they're taking advantage of you and you're, you're hurt by those things that are happening to you. He wants you first and foremost to entrust yourself to God who judges justly. It doesn't mean you can't take recourses legally or other ways that are necessary depending on what's happening. But first and foremost, he wants you to know, do you trust God with your life? 
I mean, we say that we do. I believe in you, Lord. I trust you with my life. I've given my life to you. But when suffering comes, it's like, okay, I've given my life to you, but I'm going to take it back right now because I need to take care of these situations that I'm dealing with. Or will we act like Jesus and actually entrust ourselves to the one who judges justly? Will we give ourselves to God into this situation? Because the suffering is telling you something. It is pointing to something. It is trying to pull you somewhere. Where will it pull you? I love a quote by C.S. Lewis where he says that pain insists upon being attended to. It insists on it. When your knee hurts, you bandage it. You brace it. It's, it's pulling you to something. And he says that God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our consciences, but he shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. You are not going to get out of the suffering. Sorry, this isn't one of those messages. It's going to happen in your life time and time again in different ways. It might be emotional. It might be physical. There is going to be suffering that you and I are going to have to endure. But I'm here to tell you that every time pain shows up and suffering shows up in our life, it is there to point us to something. It is there to tell us something. And how we go through the pain is going to change us in some way. When you suffer from something that's being done to you, you will react in one way or another. You will either get embittered by it, angry, frustrated, want to retaliate, or you will do as Jesus did and entrust himself to God who judges justly and saying, God, this circumstance that is beyond my control, I trust you in it. That even though it is difficult, even though there is hardship that I have to go through, I will not go through it without purpose. I will not go through it and allow it to overcome me because I believe that you are at work in me. And just as Jesus endured suffering for my sake and went through the suffering even on the cross, giving me this example I too am going to trust you in this circumstance through the struggle that I am going through. I am not going to allow it to overtake me. We have this tendency to run away from suffering. We want to cover it up. We want to numb it. I don't like pain. I don't know anyone who does, who's healthy. Right? I, I'm, I'm all for the Novocaine. I, I, if I go into the dentist, I don't want to feel it. Okay. Give me that big shot. I hate the shot. I hate the squeaking it makes when it goes into your gums, that little needle. But I'd rather have that pinch than feel what I'm smelling when he's drilling, right? That bone is like, like, oh man, that's not good, but I'm glad I don't feel it. I'm all for that. If I have to go through something, can you 
knock me out? Can you put me under? Can you, can you take away the idea that I'm going to have to go through pain? And we do that emotionally as well. We try to escape. Some people try to escape by medicating, drinking. See, their, their life is in pain. There, there's things going on, but they don't want to deal with it, and so they want to, to move away from it, so they medicate. And so even as we've been talking at the Connect meetings, we talked last month about the addict and the person who likes to isolate themselves. They like to, to distance themselves, and they like to, to separate themselves and kind of re- retreat. And they retreat from really people. They retreat from relationships. They retreat from society. And they retreat into the addiction, whatever that addiction is. Because they don't want to deal with the pain. And it's not good when we don't address what's there. You see, when you hit your head, And then a bump shows up. It's happened in my family over and over again. It's happened to me a lot of times, my kids. I don't know how many times kids fall and boom, all of a sudden, man, they've got this giant lump on their head. And you think of that like, oh, man, that looks terrible. I always wonder, is that going to stay? You know, is that going to? That's it. I got this knot on my head. But you see, what's happening is the body is responding to that impact and it's responding this impact happened and it causes the swelling the danger is is when there's impact and there is no swelling because the swelling has to go somewhere and so when you have someone who has a head trauma but they have no visual sign of it they're more concerned because maybe it's internal now. Maybe there's internal trauma. Maybe there's internal bleeding. Maybe there's something that they can't see. And so they have to do the CAT scan and they have to do something to see what the problem is because it has to show up. It's there for a reason. The swelling is telling you that's where you got hit. And the same thing is true with us. When, when something takes place within us, there has to be the impact. It shows up. It shows up in how we feel. It shows up in, in the hurt that it does to us. And then how do we respond to it? But you see, when we just stuff it down and we say, well, no, nothing's happening. It doesn't matter to me. I'm not going to let it affect me. It affects you even more. You carry it with you. And then it starts to show up in your conversations with other people. Why are you so mad? Why are you so angry? Why are you so bitter? What's going on? What happened to you that's causing this internal struggle and suffering that starts lashing out? See, suffering is there to tell you something. It's there to show you something. It's there to point you in a direction. Hebrews tells us in chapter 12, My son, don't despise the Lord's discipline or lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastens every one who accepts as his son or his daughter. How many times when a situation happens in your life, you wonder, why is this happening to me? What is the reason? What are the dots that are lined up to bring this? God, why are you allowing this to happen to me? And you see, it might not be any fault of your own. If you get cancer 
and, and you weren't a smoker and, and you didn't do anything that led to this and you wonder, God, why is this happening to me? I, I can't answer the why. I don't know why it's happened. I don't know why you're the one who is diagnosed with this. I, I can't go there. I don't know that. But what I want to know is what is it doing in you? Where is it taking you now? Now that you are in this place of suffering, what will you do with it? How will you respond when everyone sees you and says, wow, you are going through this because we live in a broken and fallen world and cancer happens to too many people and it happens to children and it happens to the people we love and we don't like it and I hate it. Whenever it shows up, it, it just gets this fear and it gets this anger it starts to take over and i want to just how can i get rid of this but what's it doing in me what's it doing to me where is it taking me and will you entrust yourself to the one who judges justly even in this circumstance because when you do you are being an example and you can be commended for being that example what happens when someone does you wrong, when someone betrays you, when someone hurts you, when you emotionally feel that you've been just taken advantage of? How are you going to respond? What will you do in this area? How are you going to react? There's trauma. Where is it going to show up? How is it going to show up? And what will you do to deal with it? Because we have to deal with it. Ignoring it doesn't deal with it. Oh, well, just eh, is how it is. That's how the world is. No, something's happening. God is wanting to show up in this situation. And it's important that you allow him to. Because God is wanting to work in the situation and bring about healing for us. You know, we, we talked last night at our Connect meeting about codependency. And, and I know a lot of people, as Dr. Quinlan kind of went through this uh, lecture of what was going on or how codependency takes place, I know that I was talking with Crean afterwards. I was going, man, who are you thinking of? You know, it's like, I know, I was thinking of all these people, but then it's like, but where is it in me? Where is this codependency in me? And I thought it was interesting that, you know, everyone I know can think of someone who this is taking place in, but it's hard to see it in ourselves because it's uncomfortable when we see it in ourselves, And it makes us have to make some changes that are difficult. And just like the addict who, who isolates themselves and, and doesn't see the problem that with their addiction, the person who's codependent and actually enabling maybe even the addict to continue in that way doesn't see the problem and what they're doing. It's just this kind of numbing that takes place within us because we don't want to have to feel the hurt. We don't want to have to address the difficulty. We don't want to have to go through the suffering but you have to, it's a part of life and you have to go through it in a way that's healthy for you and for the people that you're involved with. So many times when a circumstance comes upon us, what we want to do is pray that God would change the circumstance. God, take away the suffering. God, take away the circumstance. But seldom do we pray, God, 
how can I change in this circumstance? God, what change needs to take place in me? How can I trust you more in this circumstance? You see, Paul, I mean, Peter is writing to people who are being enslaved and he doesn't say, pray that God would get rid of these people. It was just how the world was when he was writing this. But he says, pray that you can change, that your life will now be an example and we can commend you to God because you are like Jesus and that's what's going to change them. You see, the suffering is able to bring enough change in you that it can change others through you if you allow the change to take place in you. But for that change to take place in you, you have to recognize the hurt, you have to deal with the hurt, and you have to trust God in the hurt. And that's hard. That's difficult because I'm hurting and I just want people to know I'm hurting. That's how we've always been. When you were a kid and you stubbed your toe or skinned your knee, you wanted people to know. You wanted mom to know. You cried and you let them know. My grandson, when his stomach is empty he lets mom know i want food he cries i want people to know i'm not comfortable with the situation we're the same way when something happens we don't like it we want people to know we don't like it that or we just bury it and we need to recognize that we have to deal with these things Paul told the Philippians that whatever was gained to me, he considered loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I considered everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage, that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God, On the basis of faith, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation of his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so now somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. What's Paul saying here? He's saying that Jesus has now given us an example. Jesus didn't suffer so that he would eliminate all suffering. Jesus suffered so that now all suffering can be like his and have purpose. And so he wants to know the power of his resurrection, but he also wants to participate in the fellowship of his sufferings. And and what he's wanting is he's wanting to live a life that is so connected to God that everything that happens to him now has reason, now has purpose, now has an understanding that no matter what I go through, I belong to him. Jesus entrusted himself to God at the cross. I can entrust myself to God with whatever cross I'm having to bear right now because God cares for me. He loves me. He is watching over me. I believe that and the faith in God now sustains me. 
so that I have this understanding. Paul tells the Corinthians in chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 to 18, therefore do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Do you believe that about your life? Or do you believe that there are some circumstances that God just doesn't understand? You just don't know, God, what I'm going through. You don't know how I am treated at work. God, you don't know the person I'm married to and the difficulty that I'm having in this relationship. God, you don't understand the pain and the hurt that I have from this condition, from this cancer, from this disease. You don't know what's going on. Do you think that way or do you believe what he's saying here? that he is actually saying, don't lose heart because even though outwardly you're wasting away. Now, that's not really encouraging, right? Guys, I just want you to know, outwardly, you're all wasting away. See, we all want healing, but let's face it, all healing is temporary. You're all wasting away, but inwardly, are you being renewed day by day? And can you say the light momentary troubles are achieving for you an eternal glory that outweighs them all? Now, Paul was one, when he says the, these light afflictions, these, these small things, his small things are pretty big things in our book. He was beaten, left for dead three times. He was shipwrecked a couple of times, left a day and the night in the deep, he talks about these light momentary things. How can he say that? It's because of how he sees his life and how he sees the suffering. You see, if I belong to God, then nothing can separate me from the love of Christ that is in Christ Jesus, not height nor depths nor things present nor things to come. It doesn't matter what I encounter. I belong to him. My life has a purpose that outweighs the sufferings that I will go through. And if I believe that and hold on, onto that, it will bring about me something that is valuable, that can't be measured, that can't be put a price on it. It is invaluable. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since that which is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I hope that this morning, that whatever suffering you are going through, that you are connected to the one who gives purpose to life that is beyond the suffering that you will go to. That you will look to Jesus, the author, the finisher of your faith. That you will look at his example, that when he suffered, he didn't retaliate, but instead he He entrusted himself to the one who judges justly, that you will be able to entrust your life to the God who judges justly. And you can only do this if your life belongs to him. And so the question really is, who do you belong to? Do you belong to the God who gives life or are you living your own life? Because Jesus suffered for you. 
and he wants to make all your sufferings like his with purpose. And that purpose is connected to the God who gives us life. So my prayer for you, for me this morning, is that we would recognize the value of suffering. And that value is only there if our lives have purpose and our lives only have purpose if we're connected to the one who gives purpose to life. And that's to God himself. And we are connected to God through what Jesus has done so that we can be brought into his family and our sufferings can be now with purpose. Let's pray. Father, even as we are entering into the week of what is known as the Passion, where we look at the crucifixion that took place and your death on the cross, Lord, we, we know that you endured suffering, God, and you endured it for us, and you endured it with a purpose, and that you, for the joy set before you, went to the cross, and that joy that was set before you was us, the people who would trust you because of what you did for us. And so, Lord, I pray this morning that wherever we are at and whatever suffering we are going through, that we would recognize that you have been there, that you have suffered like us yet without the sin, that you have given us an example to follow in your steps, and that believing in you doesn't free us from suffering, but it connects us to purpose. It connects us to the God who gives life and love. And Lord, might we recognize your purpose in our lives. And if there is anyone here this morning who is detached from you, who is not in relationship with you, Lord, may you draw them to yourself through the example of Christ, through the love that you've demonstrated, and through the hope that is found in you. And I thank you, Lord, for your example. Lord, may we not lose heart. May we not grow faint when we go through these various trials. But may we look to you, the one who has designed us who has purposed us, Lord, whose desire for us is hope and goodness, the author, the finisher of our faith, Jesus Christ. His name we pray, amen. Let's stand together. May God turn your mourning into dancing, not because the suffering is gone, 
because you recognize that his grace is sufficient for you and his strength is being perfected in your weakness. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Hope to see you good Friday and Sunday. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.